Hey, Lady Knights, welcome to Tortall Babes, a podcast by three sisters who read the Tamara Pierce books chapter by chapter and week by week. My name is Sally. I'm the middle sister, and I started reading the Tortall books when I was about 11. My name is Jen. I'm the oldest sister, and I started reading the Tortall books when I was 13. My name is Helen. I'm the youngest sister, and I just started reading the Tamara Pierce books with this podcast. Woo! So this week we're reading uh, the second chapter of Alana the First Adventure, which is called The New Page. To note, this podcast is a adult podcast because we are all above 18 now. Go, Helen. And this will include some adult themes, some cursing, and, of course, spoilers, although only for this book. So, Sally, what happened in this chapter, The New Page? Well, guys... It was a doozy. First of all, this chapter is about like 70 pages long. It's very long. Um, To pick up where we left off, Alana had just gotten to the palace gates to become a page. Recap, she's disguising herself as a boy because she wants to become a knight and girls can't be knights. Meh. So she switched places with her brother. So in the new page, Alana meets Duke Gareth of Maxon. He is her guardian of the palace. He's kind of mean, but he's also kind of nice. And he gives her the lay of the land of what her life is going to be like. Basically, she's going to train and fight and train and read and write and learn and fight and train until she works herself to exhaustion. So, you know, it's just like your average day at school. And then she is completely lost and overwhelmed by, like, learning her way around the palace because Tortal is grand AF. And she is like, what have I gotten myself into? Um, but she's going to try and get her way through. She puts on her fancy page clothes. She's going to go meet the other pages. And of course, the first page she meets is happens to be the worst page, Rowan, the bully, who is like really mean to her for absolutely no reason. And Alana is very sassy back to him. They get into an altercation, both physical and verbal, and she makes her first enemy, which is very scary. And then all the other pages come and are like, hey, Rowan, stop it, man. That's not cool. Don't pick on the new kid. But he doesn't stop until but 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 Prince Jonathan of Conte comes up all smooth and is like, hey, I'm the prince and you're a lowly dog, Rowan. Go to your room. So John's a very big deal. We're supposed to immediately think he's a big deal by all of the fanfare he gets, I'm sure. She gets an older page to sponsor her through her duties, Gary, who's part of Jonathan's like gang. And the next day she has her first full day of training which is if you pictured your hardest, longest day at school, and then you run like a marathon after that with no break, that's like her first day of training. It's rough. There's all these classes. She meets a bunch of people. She's really snarky. After a couple days, she gets completely fed up because it is ridiculous, the training schedule they have her under. She tells Coram that they're going to leave, but then she changes her mind because she's starting starting to get used to the 9 to 5 grind, the 24-hour grind, etc., She has no free time, but she's like, whatever, I came here, I'm going to see this through. Common theme. And after about three months have passed, because pacing in this chapter is ridiculous, the Duke is like, hey, Alan, you're doing an okay job, so you can go to the city for the day. So she brings Gary, she goes to the city, and who should she happen to bump into? But George, the hazel-eyed thief that we all glimpsed in chapter one. He brings them to this bar, which we actually find out is the court of the rogue, and he's the king of the rogue. So essentially, George is the king of thieves, and apparently he's decided to make them, you know, best friends. It's fine. It's regular. So just so we can end the chapter feeling completely the full roller coaster of all emotions possible, Alana gets called in to Duke 
Naxon's office um, because he's had a letter from her dad which says something like, oh, good to hear Tom's doing well. I'm a horrible dad, whatever. I mean, it doesn't actually say that he's a horrible dad, but it's a horrible letter. It gets them confused and Alana salvages the situation because she's like, oh, I think he can't tell us apart sometimes. And she leaves Duke's, Gareth's, Nate of Naxon's, Naxon's, oh God. She leaves Duke, Gareth of Naxon's office feeling kind of bummed because having a dad that doesn't care about you is kind of a bummer. And with that really sad note, on top of all the other stuff we felt, is chapter two. It's basically a small book in and of itself. Okay, so like first, I think this is super important and vital to the, uh, to the you know, to the whole podcast is Coram and Coram's age, which we all know per the last pod is a very interesting topic. So in the last pod to recap, Janet thought that Coram was like, what, like very old? I thought for sure he was like 40. And I okay. pictured him as, like, a less gruff Hagrid. Okay, yeah. So there's been a lot of different things about it. And um, I think we've gotten some closure here because in Chapter 2, uh, it is noted that the Quorum... The served, Minor God. The Minor God Quorum served with uh, the Duke Gareth of Naxon um, about 20 years ago, in, like, 20 years from the start of this scene, um, and he was but a lad himself. So that means that if he's but a lad, but he's in a fight, he's got to be at least 10 because that's how old Alana is going to be a page. So yeah. that means that he's at least 30 years old, probably more like 35. Okay. So, so he's, he's 35 at the start of Alana's training. Yes, which puts him in prime, like he is probably super fit and like, you know, Definitely, he's like he's too old for me, but he's he's got a lot going on. He's probably doing really well. He's doing fine. He's doing he's doing really well. He's currently single. He's probably about thirty five. He's now at the castle, which has many potential hookups available. So Coram's leading a pretty sweet life right now. He's gonna hook up so much. He's like he's being a palace guard. His Tinder profile. Oh my god, what is on Coram's Tinder profile? <laughs> the questions we have. Do you like? Do you like sharp swords and I don't know. He's <laughs> like looking for a rendezvous. No, 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 no. Oh god, help. I'm on the pass guard, <laughs> Tortal for life. <laughs> <laughs> he would totally have Tortal for life. With like a little peace sign. <laughs> he would have something about how he loves Duke Naxon though. Oh my god. Immediate headcanon just came to mind. Coram and Duke Naxon. How old do you think Doom Naxon is? Older than Corum. Too old for Corum? Caught in the wild throes of passion. Well, that went a different direction than I anticipated. <laughs> and they have, like, such a nice little, like, you know, reunion. He's, like, grinning at him and, like, he's like, you will like it here. Like, I love it. Oh, my God. Headcanon. Okay. Here we are. We've arrived. Corum, the minor deity who... Uh, is controlled by the goddess, uh, previously saved and had a uh, relationship of some sort with Duke Gareth of Naxon um, at something they're calling the Battle of the Joyous Forest. Yeah, epic battle name right there, man. This podcast should really just be like the tales of Quorum because that's who we talk about for the majority of the time. (laughs) (laughs) He is the best. Okay, so... 
after that, Alana goes to meet the other pages. And this is like a big deal because we get introduced to Rowan, like Talon, Rowan, um, who A, is he, he bullies her like right off the bat from the very beginning. He is introduced as a complete bully who hates Alana and who directly attacks her with a ton of comments that I thought are was interesting to note that a lot of them are class-based. He calls her like a farmer's boy, a backcountry boy who thinks he's a noble, a farmer's son trying to pass for one of us. He calls her like a goat herd son. He really lords it over her in a very like class-based way. Like that's what most of his attacks are. So I thought that was interesting. Um, what does anybody else think about this, about Rowan specifically? I also agree that they're pretty much all class-based. And that probably means that he himself is insecure about that because he's clearly not as high in a position as um, John and the rest of John's posse, like Gareth and Alex and all those guys, because he's not part of their group. And he doesn't get to call John John. He has to call him Highness still. So... Well, that's the thing is that does that mean like is well, and this is something that, you know, this is I mean, we're just diving right into John here and John's whole shtick. But Rowan is a bully. But why is he a bully? We don't ever really know. Is he a bully because he's a bad person? Is that's what we're supposed to think? But is he a bully because he's not in the same? Is he like a lesser noble of some kind? And that kind of has already kicked him out of a certain Mm. circle. And he hasn't managed to get in through other ways. I think he is a bit of a lesser noble. noble, But I think something interesting that they put here is uh, he's a tall, gangly boy. He has cold blue eyes and sandy blonde hair. So there's a little bit of um, race that's coming into this. And he is the quintessential, you know, Hitler's youth character. Uh, Whoa, that's a big jump. I would not have gone there. But that's interesting. But he is. But, like, a little bit, like, pushing around, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, tall, Aaron. Uh, and maybe I am jumping it. I probably am jumping it, honestly. But I think it's interesting to use that she describes him. He has cold blue eyes and sandy blonde hair. And then everybody else has, like, darker hair and swarthier skin. Except for Alana, who also has um, red, who has like, red hair. Yeah. Red hair. So, well, yeah. And there is so much stock put in into like characters hair and eye color it's such a fantasy novel so much, so much stock put into it and but there I is think a lot of like yeah sorry go ahead we do never really explore why uh Rolan has is such a bully and what he gets out of being a bully because some of what he seems to get is attention and a feeling of power um which is something that all bullies get but he like also the other side of bullying is displacing aggression that has been acted out onto you that's true he was probably bullied and is he bullied by john and the court of and john's court and is it just not portrayed as bullying because yeah. they're supposed to be viewed as the good people Ooh. although i mean like we can't negate the fact that he was being a bully to um to alana in ways that no other character was like no one else called her out or even attempted to call her out for something like that and so you know he was behaving much more rudely than any other character did to her yes and he's so aggressive it's like so immediate well then this is an interesting thing is that there's this attitude of aggression and how 
uh, aggression plays out among boys and, and that that is different than it plays out among girls. And so this is our first real look at what the page's life is like for the time that Alana is going to be here. This is what shapes her perspective of the next few years. And she has to do it while being a boy. Um, and so Alana responds in a way that's very... Uh, also masculine? I'm not sure it's also masculine. I mean, it's conventionally. It talks about conventionally masculine. Yeah. yeah, because she's like, she like claps back at him, which is something that, I don't know, whenever I had a bully in middle school, I did not clap back. Like I I was very passive. That could have just been me, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I mean, I would be lighter, but I just, and I feel like I've, we've all like had a moment where we maybe stand up to a bully but usually that's not the immediate moment that the mm-hmm. bullying happens, especially when you're 10. Mm-hmm. And also we don't, um, or at least I, I don't think any of us have ever gone into a physical altercation with a potential bully. I haven't. Yeah, which like is something that you hear about boys doing. I mean, but you don't hear about girls. It's very interesting because it's so gendered. But then it's also not gendered because Alana's is like a girl, actually. So mm. you're always kind of walking this line. Yeah. I think the other thing that we see here is we we have numbers as an important element. So when John enters with his posse of <laughs> here he comes, the dark haired boy Jonathan with brightly eyes, he enters. They were about the same height, but the dark haired boy seemed to be a year younger and much more commanding. <laughs> so he he's like I'm picturing John walking in, flanked by Gary and Raoul, who are like described as massive guys and uh, yeah they're big. And this is yeah. from the perspective of Alana who's a 10 year old and a small 10 year old um but she uh there's a numbers play yeah there's a there's a numbers play where he Rolone is out Rolone is outgunned yeah and when Rolone Rolone first encounters her she is I think alone it's like oh no it doesn't say it's just he grabs her and then someone else protests, like, leave him alone. He didn't say anything. So someone else is there, but definitely not the big posse of Jonathan. And that brings us to Jonathan, who is just, we've talked about this off the pod, but it's time to bring it on to on the pod. pod. Jonathan, on pod, Jonathan is the Prince of Tortal, um, in case that was missed by anyone. And he is clearly definitely like the head page in charge even though he might he's a little younger than some of the other pages because he's the prince he holds immediate and complete power over all the other pages and he um is able to move the force of all the pages even Ralone, who's clearly not exactly easy to stop because he is asked to stop by other pages but he doesn't stop bullying alana but jonathan can stop him jonathan has complete power and that is immediately made clear to the reader and he is presented kind of saving Alana or not saving, but stopping the bully. And so we are immediately disposed Mm -hmm. to like him, which in another situation we might not be because he has all this power and he clearly is used to using it. And I think that's one thing that's very clear is he is used to using it. And in the same way that um, Duke Gareth of Naxon backs up the King and is a representative of the King, Gary and Raoul um, are the, enforcers of Jonathan's will and he does that quite quite clearly when uh one of the big boys one of the boy's friends the one with big uh big with tightly curled 
brown hair and coal black eyes tells her when to shut up. Yeah, he says, you've got your orders. Mm-hmm. Drama. Which, like, dang. Also, and drama. It's just so, it's so, like, I like the music, like, you know, just, like, some bad boy, but also, like, good boy because he's the prince's son. So he has ultimate, powerful, like, good authority because Alana is on the side of the king at least at this point like we have no reason to think otherwise um she's very much you know pro tortal pro this monarchy she immediately likes jonathan which is interesting benefited Um, from the monarchy as a noble her entire life so she's supposed to continue supporting it yes exactly and um he just he completely rules the roost man oh he he uh he says i'll speak with you later rallin in my rooms before lights out. When Rowland hesitated, John added in a soft, icy voice, you've been dismissed, Malvin. It's just like so cold. It's like he's already, he's got to be about Alana's age, maybe a couple years older. He should be 12. Yeah, he's 12. And he's already ruling with such power and authority. And Oh, no, wait. He would be 13. He's 13. Okay. Still. Well, he's young. And he's like ruling, he's got it all in hand. And you know that he's not going to get in trouble um, if Rowland gets caught going to Jonathan's rooms after lights out, we already know from the structure of the pages world and the way Duke Gareth of Naxon is so like, there are rules here. You're going to live life by our rules. We already know that if Rowland was caught going to Jonathan's room after lights out, Rowland would be in trouble, but Jonathan's not in trouble. Jonathan is going to be fine. Yeah. In any case, in any situation, Jonathan comes out on top. So honestly, we should hate Jonathan. He's such a like, he gets everything, but we don't because. Well, because he is stopping a bully. He's stopping a bully. He's doing the right thing in stopping. That's true. Rulon from being evil to Alana. You know, like he's not walking in there and just busting up this guy who was just minding his own business. He's getting mad at someone. He's in a position of authority and he uses that position of authority to benefit someone who has less power than he does. True. He's doing the right thing. He's just being cold about it. Yeah, that's a good point. He's doing the right thing. Well, and the thing is, is that he's being cold to somebody who is who did use their authority, the kind of authority granted by size and age and knowledge, um, to do the wrong thing. So he, so he is a he's he's cast as a powerful character, but also a, a benevolent, a just one. one. Yeah, a just one. So that's John. We'll leave him be for now. But can I just say that when I was younger reading these books for the first time, I thought John was like the shiz. I was like, he is so cool. Oh. John's got all the points. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is that Alana and her immediate inclusion into this sacred four plus the prince is is like- The game. The game, yeah. It's really- The John Posse. The John Posse. It is a very, it's a very small court of pages that exists inside the court of uh, Tortal. And it has just as many intricacies as before. And that brings us to the Royal Courts of Tortal. So John and his posse are uh, parallel to King Roald, Roald, another name that's really challenging for me. Um, (laughs) and, And his court generally, but John is also contrasted to his father, later in the book, which we'll come back to. And Hmm. John's court of pages and 
the general court of Tortal are not the only courts of Tortal. We will return to that at a later date. Well, not even, because let's jump like right to that court. Like, let's talk about George. Um, if I could whisk wolf whistle, I would whiff whistle because George is without a doubt definitely the hottest character yeah. mm. in this chapter. True. I feel like I'm just like constantly on this thing where I'm just like, what's the hot meter? <laughs> well, we've determined that Coram is a 35 year old smoke show. But then we've got George, who yeah. is has to be at least 17 here, at least 17, who finds Alana in the market when she's first allowed into market on her first free day and approaches her and just decides to make friends. And Alana's like, I'll go with this. This seems like a good idea. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Like she is like, oh, I like him. I've just decided I like him. Alana just decides she likes people. <laughs> Alana has a very interesting sense of self-preservation in that she attacks bullies immediately, but she also has a very strong intuition. Yeah. Well, they both um, do. George says that his gift is what kind of draws him to her. But I also think it's kind of lazy writing because Tamara Pierce knows she wants to introduce George. He's a very important character throughout, spoiler alert, all four books. And he, he she just wants to get him in there. And the way to get him in there is to have a cameo in chapter one and introduce him and have them become best friends in chapter two. <laughs> that's what you do. But, but that's also the way things go sometimes. Oh. Like, you don't. sometimes you meet people and you're just friends with them. But he also says, not only does he just be like, hey, let's be friends. He also says, by the way... I'm the king of the rogue. It's an underground court of thieves and prostitutes and general ne'er-do-wells, and I rule them all. So he's the most wanted. He's Tortal's most wanted. And he just, like, throws that out there. And this is where the parallel to John is pretty good. George is confident enough of his court and the power of his court in an area where uh, he knows the ins and outs and he knows that the pages don't know the ins and outs. For all that they might be able to say, um, hey, dad, I met the king of the rogue earlier this week. They wouldn't be able to find George again if they if he if George didn't want to be found. Yeah, which gives George such a cool, mysterious like John is mysterious because he's kind of like reserved and distant in a way. But George is also mysterious. Again, another parallel, which honestly, I know I just said it was lazy writing, but it's kind of almost tight writing. Like it's lazy in that we just met George, but it's tight because of that cool parallel between the Royal courts of Tortal. We've got John's court. We've got George's court. We've got the actual court, like the monarchy. So and that's what makes me think that it's not lazy writing. What it is, is it's constraints of young adult fiction. The other thing to remember is that this whole book is uh, in my series. It's only 274 pages long, which when yeah. you compare that to Harry Potter, is minuscule. <laughs> Harry Potter only covers one year. Three months and a birthday in. Here we are. <laughs> I love my birthday is literally just slipped in. It's like three months passed and her 11th birthday. And it's like, oh, okay. Okay. I guess that happened. Helen, what do you think of George? This is your first time meeting George. Janet and I are well familiar with him. I liked him. He seems very much like a a vagabond kind of cool, mysterious character. And that's intriguing. Um, I was a little bit weirded out, too, by the fact that he just kind of like walks up to this girl and he's like, oh, you have cool purple eyes and I have the gift and we should be friends. 
and like that is a little weird but um <laughs> his, tinder, his tinder profile is probably like let me buy you a lemonade that's what i wanted to say okay yeah so thievery and and mutilation and prostitution totally chill but under his drinking can't do it he gives them lemonades tankards he gets, he gets an ale but they get little lemonade tankards and like i mean tankards <laughs> Where do you draw the line? What's your moral code, George? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, he's king of the rogue, but he won't do underage drinking. <laughs> he also sells himself really interestingly. He's like, yeah. you know, till then, why look a gift thief in the mouth? I can be a good friend to those who keep faith with me. He's like bribing them, but he doesn't offer them booze. Very rude. You're well, supposed to wine and dine. Yeah, you are supposed to wine and dine. He, he, and here's what's fun. He's like so immediately not moral which is really interesting in again the juxtaposition between him and john but also just like kind of walking that line that i feel like a lot of fantasy books kind of have a character that's like a little bit on the line between good and bad they have a character that's kind of fun which always draws some intrigue and personally you know it's like felt it felt to me that it was every kid's fantasy to like be on the other side like to be kind of be not be on the like moral and boring side, but on the cool, tough, non-law abiding, but also like ultimately a good guy side. Which good people still, yeah. It's like the 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 best the best of both worlds between being cool and mysterious, but also still Yeah, being which George toes that line. He toes over it quite often later in the books, but and in further chapters as we will find. But right now he's still he's it's just like his intro chapter is like, hey I'm willing to cross some boundaries that you're not willing to cross. So I'll cross them for you. Um, it's like an alliance. It's very much like an alliance. Yeah. And it's clear that George himself kind of thinks of it as an alliance because he offers yeah. his services, if that makes sense. It isn't until later, spoiler alert, that he begins to see him as a friend. Or see That's him true. He's kind of like a business transaction. He's like, hey, let's talk. Yeah, they even, like, shake on it. Okay, we need to talk about Alana's, like, daily life. Because the schedule of the pages is so much. So she's got four classes in the morning. So she must start around eight and go until noon. And then she has, like, noon to one is lunch. And then from one to two is philosophy. And then from two to three, she has... Night stuff. Yeah, night stuff. <laughs> She, she does all this stuff with, like, she just gets beat up because it's just all this intense physical, like, they talk about, you know, how her afternoon begins with, like, basically a, a really intense warm-up, like a gym workout. I love that her workout starts with a solid hour of calisthenics. Like, <laughs> I love it. It's great. An hour of calisthenics. I would do that. Followed by an hour <laughs> of hitting people with sticks and being hit by sticks. Mm-hmm. And then learning the fall a quality part of any workout and then archery for the most part you can tell that Tamara Pierce was like let's map out a day and she spends some good amount of time kind of just taking us through that which is when I was I remember when I was little I loved this because it was like really getting to know what a character does mm-hmm. it's really good world building for the whole like era of the pages it also you know helps with her developments with other characters we get to see Gary who's just a complete gem we've got Alex um, you know, we've got like Shy Francis. Shy Francis. <laughs> we've got Douglas. Like all these characters come in and kind of help Alana on her way as we get this montage through her training. 
And it's really fun way to get to meet other people. I was very disappointed in her that after two days, she was ready to pack up and leave. I thought that, that was foolish. And I was like, you spent all this time trying to get here and you put multiple people's lives on the line, not just yours. And after two days, you don't like the workload. And so you're going to pick up and leave. That is not fair to Coram. Oh, Helen's loyal to Coram. <laughs> I love Coram, okay? He's my, you know, my minor god. And I worship him the most. But anyways... Um, so I was quite disappointed in that. And I could also, I found it really relatable that she goes inside her room and she's like trying not to let the things that Quantum says, which is that, you know, she's running away and that she's, um, just like overwhelmed by the work and doesn't want to deal with it. And she's being a coward basically. And he says those things and that gets underneath her skin. And that was really relatable because there have been times when I too have been like, oh, well, this is just really hard. And I don't want to deal with it. And then someone will say to me straight up that I'm just trying to avoid hard work. And I then that kind of sits in you and makes you feel guilty and shameful. And then you realize that you have to like stay and do it. And so it was relatable, but I was also really disappointed with her because it only took her two days to give up. But you know, she, I'm being too harsh on her. She comes, she's 10 years old. She's been completely changing her life and she has to readjust to everything. And all in all, she does a pretty good job after she gets over that like initial bump with Corm. And I really appreciate the Corm. Um, you know, got her to stay, but also was like so sure that she was going to stay that she he didn't even pack his bag. So it was basically for her, it wasn't even a real thing. It was just a temper tantrum. Yeah, it so. was a temper tantrum. She has one tantrum in this massive adjustment from no structure to all the structure you could possibly imagine with the rules and the regulations and people who can tell her what to do now. Yeah, the self the importance true. of like discipline. Mm-hmm is interesting here. I thought it, I, I loved that on my first reading of this, when I was little, I remember kind of like agreeing with her and being like, man, that's rough. And then being proud of her when she stayed, but not like, I did, I definitely, I love that Helen, your reaction is to be disappointed because that just says so much about you as a person, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, you're in it, you're going to stick with it. You're going to be there. Moment of sister love for Helen. But speaking of Alana, Alana is interesting because she's so sure of everything she does and she's so like both confident and also scared at the same time. She's scared of her, like, uh, you know, of people finding her secret. She's scared. She's not good enough. She just is like such a gung ho, like sure of herself person at the same time because she, you know, fights back with at Rowan, she is really snarky with the teachers, which are all really funny moments that I love. And you know, as the reader, that maybe she shouldn't be sure about everything, which on that note, she just, I mean, we've talked about this earlier, but like, she just makes all these decisions about people based on how, based they, on look. how they look. And that's it, like a general sense and how they look. She's like, I like George. I like John. I don't like Rowan. Which she has reason for. But like everybody else. I'm ambivalent towards Francis. Yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> I like <laughs> Francis. Yeah. And as the reader, we're supposed to like them too, which is again kind of like lazy condensed writing because it's just like it's using well, A, it's like using looks to base judgment, which is always I feel like a little bit like lazy writing. It's like Rowan is is like not described. He does not describe positively. But this is something that I'd like to keep our eyes on as we go through the series, because I'm wondering if this is like, this is what 10 year olds do. They look at people and then they decide 
is this my friend or is that my friend? Like, ah, oh, I think this person's my friend. I think Alana as a person is more looks-based judgment than other characters and books that we see. It's a, both a flaw and just like kind of a fun thing about her because she's just so like stubborn. It is, it is very direct, yes. Let's get to the dad of the week. Dad of the week. Dad of the week. So we get this really interesting like sign off at the end where Alana gets a, or Dugareth gets a message from Alana's dad in which she calls him Tom. And she has a foolproof story, which is that her dad can't tell them apart. Uh, very convenient. Um, and she gambles a bit saying, I don't think he ever said that we were, said when we were born, which she's really lucky that he didn't. So that was quite the gamble to take, but it paid off because new dad, Duke Gareth, was like, don't worry, kid, I cover for you. Like, he was, he was just totally chill with the idea that a person doesn't know his own kid's name. Well, he's not chill with it, though, and that's, that's kind of a thing, that's is true. that it, it's a really sucky how Alana's dad is a really bad dad. He's really neglectful. He doesn't even know when he read, because earlier in the chapter, Duke Gareth sent Alana's dad a letter, and this is Alana's dad's response to it. Oh, and, yeah. you know, he doesn't even write the right kid's name. Like, he doesn't read it enough to realize that Alana is being called Alan and is at the palace. <laughs> you know, and so the Dad of the Week award does not go to Alana's real dad. It goes to, I think, you know, of her many dads that she's going to get and that she already has, it goes to Duke Gareth or Corrin because Duke Gareth lays the land for her. He's not, like, a nice dad, but he's a... He's more present. He's like a getter done, but a good person. Yeah, more present. You're right, Jay. But yeah, her real dad is just horrible. And that whole, like, last, the last, like, line of the chapter is so sad. She's like, oh, why does, why does, like, if the advantages to having a father who didn't care what she did, like, there are real advantages to that. But if the advantages were so wonderful, why did she feel like crying? Like, oh my gosh. Oh. It is terribly sad. It's just like, we get so many emotions in this chapter and we cover so much time and then we end on like just a downer. All right. So, uh, Helen, who's your unsung hero? Unsung hero time. My unsung hero is the treasure that is Douglas, who tells it like (laughs) it is when John comes to ask about what Verlon and Alana are doing when Verlon is beating Alana up and Alana is fighting back. And Douglas, you know, he doesn't, pull punches on either side. He tells it like it is and he tells the truth and he does a good job and yes, yeah. does. Imagine if he like, had been on Rallin's side. Yeah, that would have like, ended so poorly. So bad. The whole book would have gone differently. Like, just John would have not liked know. her. Douglas is actually the hero of the whole John series. <laughs> John seemed predisposed to dislike Rallin. True. Yeah, that's, that's true. Rowland's already like not in good company, but but I just, do like, think Douglas gets an award for being very factual. Yeah, he he does. He gives like we just read what happens in the book, and then literally Douglas tells it back to us like the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> like the next page. But that's so like it's such a good message. It is. It's a good it message. You tell know? the truth. Tell, tell the truth. Tell the truth. And don't put your opinions into it. Just say what happened. <laughs> Love Douglas. Jay, what's your who's your unsung hero? Oh, my unsung hero is definitely Sir Miles for having a approach towards teaching that is actually like encouraging of growth and uh, like critical thinking skills and things like that. Because I just I 
that's really matters to me. And Sir Miles is cast as the only man who actually manages to teach effectively. Um, and some of that I'm sure, some of that I'm sure is actually like just, you know, part of the comedy and part of the story and all that. And he's an important character, but uh, teaching is so important. Why don't they understand? So I was delighted that that was included. They get that bit that's like, oh, in the other classes, everyone's falling asleep. But in Miles' class, everyone looks happy to be there. <laughs> Which is so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my unsung hero is, I mean, he's kind of sung, but um, I just love Gary. Is it Coram? No, it's Gary. Oh. It's Gary. I love Gary. Gary, Gary gets pretty sung later. Okay. But so does like, Miles. We are talking about chapter two. And in chapter two, okay, which chapter two. again, Janet, we are talking about chapter two. <laughs> and in chapter two, Gary is sung in the way that he's like there a lot. But I don't know. I think he really deserves some props because John makes him Alana's sponsor, and which means he's like in charge of Alana. And I don't know about you, but I have had, you know, people who were supposed to be like my sponsor, you know, like you, you join a new organization or you start a new job or something. And they're supposed to like take you around and show you the ropes. And, you know, I've had people that just kind of were like, hey, and then I never saw them again. So <laughs> it's really important to have a good sponsor. And Gary does that and he becomes a friend. He helps her with her homework. He shows her the ropes. He's funny. He, you know, laughs. He, he just, he really brings her into the fold of John's posse. And this is true. He gets, I think that he is a sweet guy. You know, and mm-hmm. on the hot meter that I am keeping track of in this Tortal Babes podcast. When Gary is older, future Gary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kim, like, when we were reading these books, it made complete sense to be into them. And I, you know, I can go back to that place when I read them, these books again. And I am totally in love with Gary. Ah, he's so cute. Considering, like, the fandom aspect of this, you are allowed to, like, true. love true. your characters. Mm-hmm. This is, like, we are in a fandom. This is a fandom podcast, book club fandom podcast, and you are allowed to, like, think that the characters and books are attractive. Because if you had to be the same age as characters and books to think that they were cute or want to ship them with someone or whatever, like, we would yes. be only able to read books by, like, I don't know. We wouldn't be able to read Tamora Pierce, and that would be a problem. Indeed. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. I, yeah. I take it back. All things Anyway. So I want to do um, quick notes here. The music that you hear in our podcast is by Dave Hillowitz. It's called Whimsical Theme Number Two. Well, thank you all for listening to round two. It is now almost midnight and uh, we are ready to pass out. Yeah, we gotta um, go. So thanks for sitting with our silliness. Yeah, thanks. Later, lady nights. Later, lady nights. Later, lady nights. Woo, woo. Thank you.